Back up, please. Hello everyone, on the other side of the time zone, it's sunrise, up at 6.30 and the sun is out and there is a little bit of a drizzle. There is a drizzle, so it's finally started raining. So what I heard was there was this big deluge that happened and after that there has been not a lot of rain and now is it going to rain soon now? Well, we, we all hope so because when that big flood in two days happened, it was 10% of the entire monsoon's rains fell in just one day. First three weeks, rainfall 21% above its 50-year average. So it was a big deal. Petrol strike was on in Mumbai. Rickshaws and taxi cabs were also on strike for a couple of days and then this came along. That's good then. I mean, with the petrol strike happening, you anyway didn't need petrol because robots don't need petrol. That is what the condition of Mumbai was, I guess, right? I saw pictures of people rowing. There was enough water on the streets that they had their rowboats out. Oh yes, and the area outside our reception on day one, all right. So there was water leakage in the office and there were buckets kept in strategic areas for the water to drip into them. And then the area around the reception, uh, it had ankle deep water and there were five vice presidents who had to cross that to get into a meeting room with a video conference and all. That's awesome. Having said that, since then, sadly, there hasn't been any sign of rain at all. Yeah, so there was in fact a study that was done by Center for Climate Change Research and this is exactly what their their report found is that the frequency of, of moderate to heavy rainfall events has gone down and they studied data right from 1901 to 2012 and this has been not just happening in India but also from the entire Central South Asia so from South of Pakistan to Bangladesh. The entire region there are interesting things happening right now in our Indian subcontinent, which gives me a good segue to go into our next topic, which is about this amazing land exchange that is going to happen between India and Bangladesh. Or it has already happened. Yes. A few days back, India and Bangladesh, uh, they exchanged 162 plots of land, each of which lies on the wrong side of the border. And it's very complex. It's one of the most unusual borders that the world has. <laughs> To quote from an article in The Economist, it said that it's so complex, it is a patch of land surrounded by Bangladeshi territory inside an Indian enclave within Bangladesh. Uh, <laughs> to, to understand this, you just have to take a look at the map of uh, India and Bangladesh, which has a border of 4,100 kilometers. So there is a lot of scope for these little things or anomalies to happen. It's the world's fifth longest border. And uh, Modi and uh, Sheikh Hasina, they got together uh, sometime in May and uh, decided to put an end to the misery of people who live in this no man's land. And there are quite a few, some 50,000 odd people living in those lands who have no passport, no visa, no rights, no hospitals, no courts. And now they can choose which side of the border that they can go to. Absolutely. And this has been going on since 1974 when Indira Gandhi and then Sheikh Mujibur Rahman of Bangladesh, they agreed that to create these enclaves or they were as they were known as Chitmahals back then. And initially, if you actually go back way back into history, how these things came into 
existence it is quite interesting as well so as far as historical records are concerned these little territories were apparently they were a result of a confused outcome of a treaty between the kingdom of kuch bihar and the mughal empire which happened way back in 1713 and possibly the kingdom and the mughals ended a war without really determining a boundary for what territories had been gained or lost so it just ended in a very uncertain situation Yes and there there are quite a few theories too one of them is again these maharajas and uh, mughal emperors they would play chess games and their they would yeah. use yeah, enclaves were used as wagers or kya bolte hain usko what was that what is that hindi nilam nahi nahi daav pe lagta daav pe yes daav pe and there was yes. another another theory that it was attributed to a drunken british officer who is said to have mistakenly spilled some ink on the map when india got its independence in 1947 and later bangladesh some sort so so those those what? inks were considered to be small enclaves so this is another conspiracy theory <laughs> or a stupidity that might have happened and but i can totally envision the chess game theory happening anyways so coming back after 1947 rangpur who joined east pakistan with what was known as east pakistan back then oh hold that thought for one second so that also is a peculiarity so you've got each east pakistan which is separated by thousands of kilometers from west pakistan <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and it had just one ruler i think it was ayub khan but never mind we won't get there but another border anomaly yeah and so kuch bihar district was merged in 1949 with india now there were several attempts to sort of quote unquote de enclave these enclaves and there were <laughs> there were these things agreements that jawaharlal nehru in 1958 and firoz khan firoz khan noon the respective prime ministers of the country they came very close to solving that however the supreme court of india it came in and said that to change the boundaries of the country you need a constitutional amendment which requires a transfer of land so a ninth amendment was introduced to facilitate the implementation of the agreement however the agreement could not be passed because of an objection to the transfer of one of the enclaves which is the southern berubari enclave and after that relationships just deteriorated and it never went anywhere of course negotiations came back again when east pakistan became independent as bangladesh in 1970 and ever since we have been trying to do something but something or the other kept on happening and it so happens that the change in amendment that was made recently to get these enclaves back into india is the 100th constitutional amendment that has been done and all the foreign policy experts are coming in and are trying to read into why this happened right now and why modi made it happen right now so china and bangladesh friendship was sort of getting very strong in the recent past in fact hasina government they actually faced potential what do you say embarrassment from financial institutions where the world bank and asian development bank adb they refused to finance bangladesh's infrastructure project and at that time china came and helped them out and they gave them loan and as part of that deal bangladesh also became one of the biggest importers of chinese arms and they started procuring submarines from china also and what foreign policy experts are saying that this put india in a very uncomfortable situation where you have these china made submarines along indian borders and hence they 
acted quickly, got this deal done. They also announced investments worth $6 billion in terms of power infrastructure setup, etc. And imagine all this uh, geopolitics and uh, bargaining negotiations happening on the uh, on that scale. And then in reality, when you go down there on the border, what you see is, how do you identify what is the Bangladeshi side and the Indian side of the border? Is There is a grey corn field, which is the Bangladeshi side, and there is a green patch of jute crop. So that is where Indian territory starts. There is no real border or a line that goes to, to determine and then I, I was just looking up some other examples of uh, some crazy borders you've got uh, Norway and Sweden there is this long pathway which is uh, separated by coniferous trees on both sides and you can ride on the border on your snowmobile so you are basically riding on the border so they have created <laughs> that and then you have Nepal China which is Mount Everest that's probably one of the best and Austria Hungary and Slovakia there is a picnic table where the three borders meet. So there must be some significance about those chairs. But the best one is North Korea and South Korea. They've got 2 million troops on both sides of the border. It's 160 kilometers long. And technically, the Korean War has not ended. It's been on ceasefire for the last 60 odd years. And nobody is allowed to cross the border. So what they've done is they've built a conference room right along the border, right in the middle of the border. <laughs> the, meeting, yeah, the meeting room has got a table that cuts the border in half. You've got chairs on one side that belong to South Korea, on the other it's North Korea. Officials actually sit there and discuss matters ac- across the table and you cannot cross that line. And you know what happens in North Korea, right? You just get pulverized. Even if you're the defense minister, the leader might just kill you. So you cannot. Yeah. So if you're making a presentation, you want to go over, you cannot. When there is no meeting, you've got soldiers on both sides just staring at each other in that room so maybe yeah. behind the chair there is this documentary online which talks exactly about all these things they also don't have any telecommunications across so if you want to invite them for talks there is this guy who goes there with a loudspeaker and just yells it out and okay. they just hope that the other party will come to the table the next day and sometimes they do sometimes they don't so it's it's pretty surreal. What What is your, my weirdest border experience was, and that time it had blown my mind away, is that this was in Belgium and Luxembourg border. It is just like you said, one side of the street was Luxembourg and the other was Belgium. And since Luxembourg is a tax-free country, all the sort of petrol pumps were lined up on one side. So the people that I was living okay. with, we used to go there, we used to go to a different country to fill the petrol and then come back. Amazing. Another weird one, a few days back, you know, in Poland, abortion is banned. You do not get contraceptive pills. So there are Dutch campaigners a few kilometers away from the Polish border. They sent abortion pills in a drone and they dropped it on the other (laughs) side. And there were a couple of ladies who, who grabbed them. And I think there is a YouTube video showing that they consumed them. I don't know what happened next because you are not legally allowed to distribute those. But yeah. on a technicality, they said that, hey, these did not come from, they were airdropped. So drones, it, it wasn't much. It was a few, a couple of kilometers that the drone had to travel. Yeah, and this is an interesting one, right? Because now you are violating each other's airspace at this point using a drone this was for a fairly you know innocuous purpose but it can be big right you can drop an improvised explosive device using this drone which is the scary part but well that's that's the future we are going to have to deal with it okay i was talking about is that this conversation about borders is is suitable for us to start talking about the next topic that we have which is about 
again a country very close to india and uh, i'm talking about burmas and the rohingyas so there is a group of people around 1.5 million people living in burma who are known as rohingyas but the burmese government first of all has a problem with them being called rohingyas because rohingya is a province in burma itself and the government has disowned these people and have also put them in a completely landlocked area providing no infrastructure to them yes and they are called the world's most persecuted minority they do not have any legal rights they have been quarantined or isolated in refugee camps which have some one of the world's worst conditions and in 2012 thousands and thousands of them were you know allowed to die no medical support was given and now some 25000 people have tried to escape burma or myanmar in boats by paying up to 2000 dollars to these traffickers who get them on the other side now the other side could be anywhere in the world uh, you just have to hope that you keep knocking on other countries borders and hope that somebody takes you in like indonesia or uh, thailand for instance and uh, when we talk about these boats these are not your cruise ships these are very very rickety wooden boats which are about 40 feet 100 people are crammed without any food water no sign of uh, land wild oceans there was a new york times video which showed a few journalists uh, came by to interview them from another boat and they were wailing mothers children water was being handed out to them the interview was kept aside and they figured out how could we help them momentarily it's a big mess out there and uh, nobody seems to care about the 1.5 million people who are not included in the census yeah and burma basically says these are not our people they are immigrants here who came in illegally and they are bengalis basically who have come in from bangladesh and they also refuse to attend any summit where the word rohingya is going to be uttered so they refuse to come and talk about what should be done about this you spoke about these boats that people are setting setting off on they have tried to go to different countries like indonesia malaysia and thailand and those governments have actually disallowed them to come into the country in fact there was this one situation where i Even it was the Thai government that actually enforced its navy to pull these boats back into the ocean. So think about it. These are refugees escaping from what everyone knows to be hellish conditions who are traveling in unsafe boats. They'll come to land but are being dragged back into the water. Yeah, there are some there are some horrific pictures here. Yeah. Another one is a boat filled with people with no shirts. It's very hot out there. No yeah. shirts and their undergarments and there is this uh, port officer waving his stick meaning asking them to leave. Technically, you know how some of them have tried to survive is they just jump ship or they just dive into the water and then the coast guard it is his duty to save them or bring them on board or on on land yeah. so that's how many people have lost their lives not knowing how to swim putting themselves in the water hoping that a coast guard comes and saves them because that's part of the job and out of the 100 people in a boat maybe one or two might get rescued that way so it is that desperate imagine how desperate it would be to, to leave land by paying a ton of money uh, all your life savings and get into the water not knowing where you are headed also without having enough water there have been stories of people drinking their own urine there was another boat crisis that happened long back in vietnam where they actually had to start cannibalism there to oh. get by so it's it gets that bad so you have a very ugly past to this uh, boat crisis and we've seen that happening in the mediterranean also because of the crisis in libya 
Sudan, there have been tens of thousands of people fleeing in the boats. I think few weeks back, the that was the cover story in all international magazines. It's just surprising to me is that we haven't heard about these people earlier. Yes. Right. No. I don't know whether it is the Rohingyas they follow the Islam. I don't know whether that has something to do with it. Is why is it's not getting enough coverage. I hope that is not the case because these things need to come out wherever it is happening. Burma or Myanmar, it's it's a country of Buddhists and Rohingyas. They are Muslim people, and and why are they asked to leave? Mainly is back then during the British Raj, these Rohingyas were labeled as Mohammedans or Chittagongians. So now they migrated to Burma in search of jobs, which threatened the residents or the citizens of Burma. And the conflict was such that it was Cold War happening there. Meaning the Buddhists thought that these men were part of the British or would act on the Britishers' command. And at that time, British owned Burma, India, Pakistan and all of that, right? So when the Britishers told this 1.5 million people to leave Bengal, they did and they went to Burma and then they were labeled as illegal immigrants and Britishers very smartly used them to fight for them against the Japanese in the Second World War. After the independence, the Burmese people say that the weapons that were given to the Rohingyas were trained against them meaning against the, the local residents there. And and since then, they have been saying that, okay, this is the threat to Burma, and, and since then, they've been going through what they've been going through since day one, basically. So let's see what happens. The international community has come together. The Thailand, Malaysian, and the Indonesian governments, they have been asked to take these guys in and set up some sort of a process whereby either these guys are offered citizenship or some legal status in the countries that they are that they are in or accept them as refugees let's hope that happens 1.3 million people okay so those are the topics we have been going on for a while my son is getting a bit uh, <laughs> yes he wants yes. you know he's out there sorry to keep you away from him let's quickly wrap up the soundscape and the pictures Absolutely. So we have received four pictures since last time that we recorded. Actually, five pictures. One from Sachin about his life in Bangalore. It's so surprising that whenever we receive a picture from Bangalore, it is almost about yes. being stuck in traffic. A traffic jam, yes. Yep, and Sachin, he spends 20 minutes to one and a half hours one way. So wow. let's release more episodes. Yeah. Let's, let's release more episodes, absolutely. Ashok, our good friend, he sent us an image. Just to make us jealous, probably, the picture has nice pool. He, in, he uh, is adding to the Greek economy, I guess. <laughs> He's, yeah, it's a pool at a hotel in Athens. Good time to uh, vacation there if you have a lot of euros. Ashok, you should just drop us a line about what is it to be in that part of the world. Yeah. Uh, we have received a picture from PC Balakrishnan uh, and it is about monsoon starting in Kerala. The picture looks amazing. Awesome, you, can, yes. you can see, you know, green fields out there of Kerala. And we'll be posting all these pictures, by the way. Then we have another one from Siddharth, Siddharth Bhaiya. From Tokyo. From Tokyo in, in the metro itself. And the interesting bit is that no one in the metro is looking around. They are all looking into the into the phone. Even in Canada and most probably in India as well, people don't look at each other these days. These days they don't even look at each other while they are talking. It's yeah. They look in a general direction around or, or while typing into the phone. No one is, and I'm no different. So it's almost like these zombies. We are, uh, we need to yeah, do something. Yeah. I have this picture from Akila Surendran who is snacking on a watermelon and is getting caught in the Middle East mayhem. And the rant about 
plutonium. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was right. from a few few weeks back. There's one. There's one from Gary. Gary Rodriguez has sent us a picture from Toronto of Pan Am Games happening in Toronto. Let's move on to the soundscapes uh, that we have. And uh, this comes from Mark, our friend, who starts his emails with Yaro. And he says, he is inside a German high-speed electric train, which is traveling at 200 kilometers an hour. And this is how it sounds like. Yeah, he says, this is exactly how it sounds like. It is smooth and it is <laughs> silent. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, you would not hear anything. That's the sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A German high-speed electric train traveling at 200 kilometers an hour. But jokes aside, this one comes from uh, another one of our listeners who was traveling in Thailand, Anandita. She is on a shore of one of the islands there. She doesn't mention which one. And here it goes. That was wonderful. Thank you, Anandita, for that one. And for all you listeners, if you come across anything that is interesting, just flip your mobile phone, record it, and send it to Indicast at theindicast.com, and we'll play it in the next episode. That's about it from us here. Bye-bye.